Hey everyone, it's the Monty Man, and you are about to take part in the experience, the strength, and the hope of this episode of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show. He's rough, he's tough, and bad guys yell it out when he is up and at him. Three, two, one, zero. Hey, you! Yeah, you! Come here for a minute! I want to talk to you! What's the mama say? Mama says you're brain dead, bang your head against the wall. That's right. Can't find peace of mind, brain needs an overhaul. Bonehead, brain dead, we're all the same. You can't think straight when your heart is in pain. Turn around, hit the ground, time, time to, to lay, lay your burden down. down. The views expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show are those of the co-host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of our affiliates. The topics and opinions on today's show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice. Take 12 Radio is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. And now, here's your host, The Man. Yes. The Myth. Yes. The Legend. The Monty Man. I'm telling you the truth, baby. I'm telling you the truth, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. Good guys, bad boys, we're all the same. Saved by grace is the name of the game. Turn around, hit the ground, time to lay your burden down. Welcome to another fine episode of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show. We are broadcasting from the studios of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting on the outskirts of beautiful downtown Albany, Oregon, here in the Pacific Northwest, where uh, the weather can never make up its mind. Um, Hot one minute, cold, rainy, whatever, but it is our home, and uh, we are broadcasting worldwide via the internet, now on all podcasting platforms, actually literally hundreds of them, um, even beyond what we knew. Uh, when When you sign up for... The major ones, everybody else picks you up as well. So uh, thanks for all that. We got our new studio chairs in uh, yesterday, so we're a lot more comfortable with that. Thank you to Barbara H. and our sponsors for providing those as well. Listen, today on the show, just when you thought that restoration was not possible, just when you think that the person that you thought would never change actually does change because of the power of God. Uh, This is a story of restoration that'll kind of blow your mind. It's blowing mine. I know it's blowing the mind of my guest. And there he is right over there. If you're watching on YouTube, that is Mr. Adam Rice. And we have entitled this show, The Restoration of Adam Rice. How you doing, Adam? Very well. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking well. See, you fit nicely in that chair. You can do that. (laughs) I can't do that anywhere. My legs wouldn't reach the bottom, so (laughs) made it work. So um, Adam's going to be sharing his experience, strength, and help, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today. But first, we're going to have a little bit of fun with Adam. I think we have our little trivia themes. There it is. Put on your thinking caps. Uh Here it comes. It's time for Trivia Quiz. Hooray! Yay. Oh, Monty Man, don't get your panties all in a bunch. Let me do my job. <clears throat> Here we go. Hey, everybody, it's Cecil. And it's that time again when we try oh, to boy. mess with the mind of our guest by playing a little Take 12 Trivia. That's right. All right, this is where we try to slip our guest. <laughs> That's the sound if you get it wrong, Adam. Um... We're going to try to stump Adam here, and what we're going to do is uh, these are these are th- things associated with the name Adam. Oh. Yeah? Right? So if you get it right, you get a cowbell, and if you get it wrong, you get the, fl- the fl- fluff machine. All right? So let me see here. All right, number one. 
Which one of these is a nickname for Adam? Is it, and the good news is it's multiple choice, so that makes it easy, right? Easy, easy, easy. Is it Addy, Adolf, or Andy? Adolf. Final, final answer? Sure. All right. Now, <laughs> it is Addy, actually. Addy. Addy. So now when I, Addy, Addy, answer that phone. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah, right. I ain't heard that one yet. I heard lots of nicknames for Adam and never Addy. I had a roommate in college named Adolf. Really? Yeah, he was a scary guy. Adolf Colquette. It takes some serious guts to name your kid. I Adolf. know, right? It really, really does. All right, here's number two. According to the Bible, the personal name Adam derives from a Hebrew noun meaning, and here are your choices, the dust or dirt, the ground or earth, or the soil or clay. The dust or dirt, ground or earth, or soil or clay. Hmm. I'm going to go with soil or clay. Final answer? Yeah. All right. Sorry. Oh, no. It, it actually comes from the noun meaning the ground or earth. All right. So uh, not doing too well. By the way, if you get these all wrong, you get them all wrong. If you, if you get at least two right, you know what you get? What? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Uh, All right. Here's number three. What is Adam Sandler's real name? Oh. Is it Adam Sandler, Jason Jason Sandel, or Ahmad Sandler? Adam Sandler's real name. You are correct. <laughs> Very good. All right. Very good. Okay. Um, number four. Hydrogen, oxygen, and chlorine contain how many atoms? 25? Two or 15? Hydrogen, oxygen, and chlorine. Mm -hmm. How many atoms do all three of them combined? No, each one of them contains this many atoms. They're, that's what they all have in common. Oh. Okay. 25, 2, or 15? Two. Wow. Good job. I thought you'd get that one right. <laughs> You're just an atom-looking guy. Yeah. All right. Um, atoms are the smallest particle into which an element can be divided. True or false? Well, that's a complex question because they're learning more and more about that each day. So, like, when I was in school, that would have been true. As of Google yesterday. False. <laughs> you say false? Yeah. Nah, sorry. Oh. <laughs> All right. And here's your last one. Let's see here. All right. The 1960s delivered us the TV series Batman. What actor who changed his name to Adam West played Batman? Was it William Anderson, Burt Ward, or Chris O'Donnell? William Anderson. You are correct. Was that a process of limit? You knew Burt Ward was Robin, right? And you knew Chris O'Donnell didn't play, so. No, I remember. Or did you know? No, I knew that. I remember hearing that somewhere. Yeah, it was William Adam Anderson. I remember thinking to myself, what would compel somebody to change your name from William to Adam? That don't make no sense. But that was a curiosity, and it stuck in my head. Yeah, well, good job. So you get nothing. Excellent. Yeah. Just what I wanted. All right. All right, that does it for Take 12 Trivia for this week. We kind of stumped him a little bit. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. When I got back from Iraq, I just couldn't shake the guilt that I came home and 34 other men did not. There isn't a drink or a drug out there that can touch that kind of pain. Believe me, I tried. But when I heard a Teen Challenge story on the radio, I finally decided to get help. This program did for me what nothing else seemed to be able to do. It gave me hope. Now I can finally move on and live my life in a way that honors those who lost theirs. To locate a Teen Challenge Center near you or for more information, visit TeenChallengeUSA.com Hey, check it out. You can now access all of our shows from a variety of podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, Podomatic, and Player FM. Simply search for Take 12 Recovery Radio and you'll be tuned into the best in recovery broadcast journalism. Also available at Take12Radio.com. Hey there, this is Pastor Sean Silveri from the Oregon Ministry Network of the Assemblies of God, and you are listening to the recovery talk and positive music of Take 12 Recovery Radio. 
Welcome back. You've tuned in to Take12Radio.com on your internet dial, recovery talk and positive music, 24-7, where we believe uh, is the very best in recovery talk journalism, uh, now in our 16th year of broadcasting. Uh, hey, listen, many people have asked me where that theme song came from. It's called Burden Down by the Allies. They were really popular in the 80s as far as Christian rock goes. You can check them out at their website. Um, so today on the show is Mr. Adam Rice, and this is entitled The Restoration of Adam Rice, um, simply because there has been some major restoration going on, right? Yep. And yeah, and so, uh, I mean, y- you look healthy, you-, you got a great, you know, sparkle in your eyes, smile on your face, you're very functional and all that kind of thing, um, at least that's what it appears. <laughs> um, we we all are really good at making ourselves look good uh, until we can't anymore, right? Right. And so something happened to you. I don't know if you were looking good when you were younger and then you stopped or what was going on. So kind of launch us forth, man. What what was going on with Adam before Adam now? What was going on with Adam before Adam now? Yeah. Lots of death. Mm. I mean, that's that's really what the difference is, is the difference between life and death. I uh I lived the first thirty years of my life as a zombie, you know. Yeah. How old are you now? Thirty one. Thirty one. Yeah. That's a long time, bud. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I mean, I was, I was, the Bible says it so, so well, you know, I read scripture and my heart leaps when I read things like I was dead, but now I'm alive. Mm -hmm. I was a slave to sin, life of bondage. And that's, that's, that's who I was. Yeah. What were you bound to besides self and all that kind of thing i mean yeah i mean that was sort of like the obvious one is right one of your famous saying self will run riot right but more so than that it was um a bondage to this deep wound i had in my heart that um left me confused and ignorant and in pain lashing out like a wounded animal not knowing what to do on how to how to heal that, how to stop that. Are you angry? I don't think that any anger I had manifested itself in an obvious way that anger would. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't a very angry person, and I didn't yell at people. I didn't fight people. But I think that there still was anger there that took the form of self-destructive behaviors mm-hmm. and um, things of that nature. So what were some of the self-destructive behaviors that you were involved in? Well, the most clear and obvious one was a lifetime of addiction to drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the that's the most obvious one and, and the, the clearest one. But some of the others that went along with it were um, sabotaging everything I ever had. Anytime I got a good job, sabotaged it. Anytime I got into a good relationship, I sabotaged it. Were you afraid of success? Because that's a lot. That sometimes that's why people sabotage things, right? They do really well at something, and the last minute they'll just throw in the towel. I don't. I don't know if I would characterize it as afraid of success, but maybe you could. But the way I I see it more was I don't think I felt like I deserved success. Oh, okay. You know, I I would get to a point where I was getting successful, and I started to feel guilty. And, and shameful like I don't deserve this look who I am look at the things I've done look at the things I'm continuing to do were you getting successful faking it or were you actually working hard and becoming successful I don't know I think it, it was sort of like a yes and no sort of thing yeah like a huge part of me was faking it and a huge part of me I think was succeeding because so like for the I, I uh, accepted God in my heart when I was 20 years old and so before that, it was, there was no actual success. It was all a complete wreck. Mm. I 
it was it was an absolute hundred percent mess. After that, I still held on to my bondage and my sin, but I asked God to save me. And so, in that, I still had sin in my life, but I also had God working in my life in a new way. Right. And so, there was some true success there, in the form of salvation and asking forgiveness. But at the same time, there was still that sabotage and there was still that self-destructive behavior there because I was unwilling to let it go because I thought that is where my healing was going to come from. I wasn't giving that to God. I wasn't telling the Lord, like, you know what? I actually do trust in you. That was not the case. Mm-hmm. I was trusting in my addiction. I was trusting in my old ways that I believed would fulfill me rather than trusting in the Lord. So... Was your upbringing one that was necessarily extremely stressful or pushed you over the edge or something happened that was, uh, uh, you know, a point of drug and alcohol abuse, you know, the beginning, the launching forth? Or was it something you just thought you would experiment with? I mean, what got you started? Um, Well, my upbringing was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. My parents and my siblings were all... We were a model family as far as I'm concerned, but there were things that happened in my life when I was a, a young man. I was I was sexually abused um, by some peers at school, and very shortly after that moment in my life, I um, my entire life changed. Before that moment, I was an outdoor child running around in the woods, enjoying myself, mm-hmm. catching snakes and frogs, you know, all that sort of Being stuff. Being a kid. Being a kid, building yeah. a raft, going down the river. Yeah. And then immediately after that moment when I was attacked in that way, I I became introverted. I imploded upon myself. I stayed indoors. I buried myself in video games and things of that nature. And then when I was about 14 or 15 years old, I had some dental work done and I was prescribed prescription painkillers. And then all of a sudden this incredible pain that I was carrying around that I didn't know what to do with. In your gut, that thing. Yeah. 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 It went away. I was healed. Imagine that. Yeah. I had felt free. I had felt this weight lifted off my shoulders from these painkillers and I didn't have the maturity or the awareness to understand what was going on. All I knew is it worked. Yeah. It was a solution for you. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, I, did you get more active again? Did you go out and yeah, socialize? And uh, do t- I did. Yeah. Became and the guy, kid you were. Exactly. Yeah. I, I turned from this introverted person with no friends into the most popular kid in my group, you know? Wow. And I would find excuses and reasons of why I needed to get more painkillers. And then that quickly turned into, um, through meeting some people that were doing illicit drugs, I learned like, hey, I can just get these things anytime I want. And so I started chasing that. Mm -hmm. And it led from some innocent behavior to um, crack cocaine addiction for a few years. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you just upped the the ante a little bit, right? And did you become chemically dependent to where you were sick if you weren't using it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that happened pretty quickly. Right, right. So you you went from pain medication, it became a solution for you, to crack cocaine. Was there any point where it turned on you to where it wasn't soothing anymore? Oh, yeah, well before I ever got to crack. It was, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well before that time. Um, it It became an addiction pretty quickly. Once I was able to get it whenever I wanted, mm-hmm. then it got me whenever it wanted. Right. So the tail's wagging the dog now. Yeah. So did you go into crack cocaine because you you thought, okay, this is gonna this is gonna make it better. I mean, so I can get higher, so I can be more myself, even more. Or well, that feeling that I talked about about how I I experienced relief right. from my wound and my pain. That was a that's a false relief. That's a lie. And as time goes on, that lie is no longer sustainable and needs um, to you need something more. And you're always going to need something more because 
you're going to be perpetually thirsty. You know, sin is not where we get living water. Right. Where we thirst no more. Right. For a while, it works. Right. Right. And you don't have to, you don't have to be abusing narcotics to be chasing the proverbial bag, so to speak. Right. Even though there's no dope in the bag, it's whatever you're searching for that's idolatry, really, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what, what was there was there an event that happened that where everything came tumbling down and you said something's got to change? Well, sure. There was lots of events um, before something changed, <laughs> right? Yeah. The first and and biggest one is I had an overdose on cocaine. I thought my heart was going to explode out of my chest. I couldn't breathe. You smoking it? Uh, no, I I was experimenting with it in a bunch of different ways, trying to figure out how I could make it last longer. But no, that's okay. not, not here nor there. But, right, right. Um, but it was getting in your bod. Yeah. And you OD'd. Right. And so I'm laying there thinking I'm going to die. And for the first time in my life, I cried out to God. And I said, Lord, save me. I don't want mm. this life anymore. Because, I mean, at that point, when you're getting to a point in your life where you're using that much. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was bad. And so I asked God to save me. And then I passed out. And I woke up the next day. Um, I felt fine. It was remarkable. Really? Yeah. And you felt it, sober. You felt yeah. And then, but I still had that obsession in my heart. Gotcha. And I went back to try and use it, and um, I had a this supernatural sneezing attack. And I blew it everywhere. It was everywhere. And, I mean, it was like, <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't uh, go back That's to hilarious. using it that way. And so I just. I recognized the supernatural nature of this and how weird yeah. that was, and I ran away from it all, dealt with the withdrawals, and devoted – well, I thought I devoted my life to the Lord, but I still was hanging on mm-hmm. to um, that medicine because I had not given up my wound and my pain and mm-hmm. my hurt. I hadn't given that to the Lord. The only thing I'd done is used him. I'd used God to get what I wanted, which was... To get you out of your drug mess. Right. Yeah. And so then I went through life more or less functioning. Mm -hmm. And um, I met a wonderful woman that I fell madly in love with. And I was still sort of like doing... Dabbling? Dabbling and trying to find... I was What I was trying to do is I was experimenting, trying to find a mechanism in which I could no longer feel enslaved to this pain and hurt in my heart without sharing it Mm -hmm. and still live a godly life. And it was just a complete lie is all it was. It was lie after lie after lie after lie. And this became um, such a pattern and such a part of who I was that I ended up spending years emotionally abusing this woman and tearing her apart on the inside, putting her in incredible danger by driving around drunk and all manner of other things. But was, was she privy to the fact that you were an addict or was it, were you hiding it pretty good or I was hiding it really good yeah. or at least I thought. Yeah. And then, you know, there were times where it would come out, um, and she was aware of it, but she was never aware of the the full story because I depth was, of it, I, right. I only wanted to share what I had to to you know get sure. out of the fire. Sure. And at at one point, it got so bad that uh, she told me that I needed to get some help, and I agreed. I wanted help because I did. And at the time, she was working for Teen Challenge in mm-hmm. Idaho, and so I got admitted into Teen Challenge in the Willamette Valley. And there is is where I began shedding the weight and cutting the fat off of mm. my life and giving it to the Lord. And it was a slow, gruesome process. So is, prior to this, had you tried any kind of recovery method at all? Not a formal one like this, no. Yeah. Uh, I did, um, my wife and I both did a program through Love Inc., which okay. was about sort of like getting out of the dumps and getting your life back in order, but mm-hmm. it didn't have a lot to do with addiction at all, no. Okay. Okay. 
So when you came to the Adult and Teen Challenge, and just for clarity for folks, um, the name Teen Challenge is a name that that organization has held on to since its conception, uh, but it's not just for teens, right? Right. Yeah. In fact, it's not even really for teens. I know. We have teen centers, but for the most part, most of them are adult. Yeah. Yeah. And so the name change has gone from Teen Challenge to Adult and Teen Challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So you walked in the doors of the Teen Challenge Center in the Willamette Valley here in Shedd, Oregon. And, I mean, did did you have any idea what you're walking into at all? I was extremely ignorant, no. Right. No, I, um, you know, in the midst of it all, like even in my my worst place in the past 10 years, I – God was still – in my life. I wasn't giving him control. I wasn't ex- accepting him. I wasn't being honest with him. Mm-hmm. But he was still there and I still I still received things from him and I I did receive a lot of peace and acknowledgement that this is the right choice for you, Adam. You need to go here. Mm. And so I had no idea what I was walking into. I knew I was walking into a year-long program. I knew it was going to be hard. Yeah. I knew I wasn't going to receive a lot of the creature comforts that I was used to. Um, past that, I didn't know anything. Yeah. But I did have this piece that I was doing the right thing. Right. Um, even though I I bit against that. Sure. Sure. So tell us about what happened in the program for you. Give us a little bit of an example of your day there as a student. A day in the life of a student is um, filled with discipline. Something I learned... Um, while reading a book in the program was that discipline is something that you can't will yourself unto. It has to be given to you from the outside, from your parents, from a program, from the Lord himself, and or from you know an accountability partner or a sponsor mm-hmm. or something of that nature. And so I started receiving discipline in a bunch of areas. So I wake up at probably about 5.45 a.m. every day, Mm -hmm. make my bed, get dressed, grab my Bible, and walk into the cafeteria where we um, had mandatory devotions. I did this every day, seven days a week. Slept in on Sundays sometimes. Yeah. Um, And so that was the beginning of our day, and that, in my mind, is one of the most important lessons I've learned is every day I get up and I do that same thing. I don't get up at 5.45 a.m. anymore, but I still get up well before I have to be anywhere. Every day I get up two hours before any obligation that I have to meet. And so that's the beginning of our day. We pray and we do our devotions. We eat breakfast. And um, then back when I was in the program, we would get ready for work and go to work. And we'd have uh, vocational training at the center, which uh, we go to thrift stores. And we manage and run these thrift stores as uh, student workers. And at the thrift stores, we're taught about customer service and about showing up and about professionalism. And so we do that all throughout the day. And that teaches us also that we have to work for what we're given because a lot of guys are not paying for this. A lot of guys never even had a job. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things that everybody just – rails on about these thrift stores but they really do teach an, an incredible lesson a valuable lesson it's like sometimes you just have to do something that you don't want to do that's one of the things that i think a lot of guys miss whenever they go through the program is yeah i myself as an addict if i didn't want to do it you bet your bottom dollar i didn't do it <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't happen if i yeah. didn't want to do it yeah I'm, I'm 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 not doing it i'm gonna go over here yeah and make myself feel better for not doing it right yeah. right that's what we do that's mm-hmm. our mo you bet and so you have to put up with a lot of stuff. You have to learn how to handle those small emotions because those small emotions of just not feeling like you don't want to do something will lead up to, mm-hmm. you know, you running a gun. And- yeah. Yeah. So you're not necessarily comfortable all the time, mentally, emotionally, physically, right? Right. Um, but one of the things you've heard me say a million times, how do you learn how to deal with difficult situations? Be in the middle of a difficult situation, right? Amen. So God's chipping away at you, smoothing out the rough edges, and 
some stuff kind of went sideways for you. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, do you feel comfortable sharing about that? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you're right. God does chip away at you. So through the program, I was chipped away at in a thousand different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those small annoyances that I was talking about earlier. Right. As well as um, some really heavy stuff is that I had this woman who I was leaning on and whom I loved in in a broken sort of... This is your wife. Right. Right? Yeah. And um, probably about like seven months into my program, uh, she had had enough. She didn't think that I was able to change because I was such an incredible liar and manipulator that... So she didn't know whether you were... <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, because in the past, I'd try to get sober, you know, four or five times. Right. And it looked like I was doing great, but I wasn't. Yeah. And so here, I can imagine it looked like I was doing good, but she's tired of being hurt and her emotions being ravaged. And um, so she made a difficult choice that she was going to leave me. And she just kind of cut off ties because she couldn't, um, she couldn't believe anything I had to say. Mm. And so that, that devastated me. Did you not see that coming? No, I didn't. Yeah. No. And I know we, I guess looking back on it, I can see how the conversation had been brought up, but I guess it was sort of like a repressed memory like i just kind of put that out of my head like that's not happening Mm -hmm. that's not happening Mm -hmm. and so i just that was sort of selective listening i I guess but i know that when i received divorce papers in the mail i was astonished i had no idea this was coming even though i should have it's kind of like this isn't really happening right yeah and i think that's just another addictive behavior yeah you know yeah that's another one of those things that god had to chip away at me is that maybe i'm not using drugs to uh, mask or change the way I feel, but I'm using my own mind to change the way I mm-hmm. feel by ignoring that this was a possibility by mm-hmm. by um, convincing myself that something that is a lie is true. Right, right. So you got hit with that, right? And you know, I watched you go through a grieving process. You know, the anger and the blaming and the, all that stuff, mm-hmm. acceptance. You know, um, in fact, I remember at one point when the whole acceptance thing started in the grieving process started to take place and you were kind of like, I don't know if I, I don't even know if I want to restore this. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what changed? Well, that was, so that, that acceptance, um, that I don't even know if I want to restore this. Yeah. Um, That was definitely something I felt. But I believe... That's part of anger, too, though, right? Yes. Yeah. And it was also, I believe, um, partly from bad counsel that I was receiving. Gotcha. Um, I was holding on to to her and to wanting her back and to forgiving her and moving forward. But because of how hurt I was, I was devastated. I mean, I was in a mess. Yeah, you were. I was a mess yeah. for a long yeah. time. Yeah. And that was coming out in a thousand horrible ways. Mm-hmm. It was just this purifying process where I was just letting out all this nastiness and this vile crap. And so, you know, people who left me in my life saw this and they were like trying to, you know what, you just need to forget about it. And I was receiving bad counsel. I don't even, don't like, even move on, to... Adam. You know, that oh, it was more that. Th- it was worse than that. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It was way worse than that. But um, so that I think that's where that mostly came from. Did did it look like because when we promoted the show, you know, when you talked about it at the opening of the show too, just when you thought nothing was going to change, right? oh, you, no, you got to a place where you thought you, you were convinced, right? This, yeah. this is not going to be restored. Oh, absolutely! No, I yeah. believe that even yeah. even while simultaneously wanting it back, like yeah. there for a long time, I was just convinced I was just going to be single the rest of my life and hold on to this and mm-hmm. you know bear that cross because mm-hmm. it it. Um, that's the way it was going to be. And so, no, I had, I had, I had very little hope for a long time. Yeah. Cause it didn't, I, I didn't hear anything from anyone. I was just cut out like a tumor. Right. Which I was. In a lot yeah. Of yeah. 
I can I can identify to a degree that that happened with my side, not Marcia's side of the family, but my wife's side, but my side of the family. All my aunts, all my uncles, everybody, nobody wanted anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. And most of them didn't even know the truth. They just heard stuff. Right. And as I was cut out, they wouldn't answer the phone. They'd hang up. And I, I come to the place where I thought, yeah, I don't have a family anymore. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But and you stay clean. Yeah, I did. You yeah. know, yeah. there's a there's a there's a saying in Alcoholics Anonymous. Actually, it's in the literature that talks about. I'm going to paraphrase here, but let no man say, you know, because I lost my job or my family and all that stuff, you know, that I can't stay sober. Right. You know, because circumstances aren't what keep you sober anyway. Right. And you did, and you you felt like chucking it. You felt like walking out of the program, right? Yeah, I feel like I had more more reason to leave than most. Mm-hmm. And I not only did I have reason in my own mind to leave, but I had a place to go. Ah. You know, I could have gone back and lived like a king with my family for who knows how long. You didn't have to have a plan. The plan was already there. Right. Yeah, because some guys would say, what's your plan? They don't have one. Right. But you actually had stuff in front of you you could have stepped right into. And yet you stayed. Why did you stay? Well, it goes back to the very beginning when I came into the program. I, I told you about this piece and and how God had told me, listen, you need to go here. Mm-hmm. Through it all, like, I can't sit here and read the Bible and then justify poor decisions like that. Like, you can't sit here and say that God led me here. You can't say that and then at the same time think, well, I'm giving up now. Those those two viewpoints are so contradictory. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able. I, I couldn't reconcile those you two things. Yeah, you couldn't do it. <laughs> so it's like, as much as I wanted to leave, I knew this is where God wanted me. Right. And so I just had to man up and do it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you felt like taking off on several occasions. Oh yeah. So one one that um, that I remember that really stands out to me uh, in. in for those who may have never tuned into this show before and are confused, how do you know Adam? Okay, well, <laughs> so I, I work for this ministry, um, not just Take 12 Radio, but for the Adult and Teen Challenge ministry, and that's where I met Adam. And um, what a lot of people don't know until right this minute is that you are still there, yep, but in a different position than student. You are now an intern and have been for quite a while. Yep an intern uh, there. And I remember this. I remember um, a ministry called Absolute Ministries coming, which is, <laughs> oh, a, God. which is a clean and sober living environment, probably one of the only functional ones in the nation. Because right. so many of them are just, they're just not done well. You know, uh, these guys are, I call them the gold standard in, in sober living. But uh, they come every so many months and they give their presentation of uh, of their ministry and what they do. And um, one of the things that they require of people that go through their program is that they have completed like a, a treatment, a residential treatment program or team challenge or something of that nature. But they have have to have completed it. And if you're in the middle of an internship or early stages of internship, even and you decide you want to go to absolute, they won't let you do that. Right. You've got to finish what you, you committed to do. And I remember you coming into my office and going, saying something to the effect of, of, I have made the worst mistake of my life. I should have gone to absolute. I, and you were just torqued. Yeah. Man. I was pretty sour that day. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about, walk us through that. I mean, you were pretty, if you could have packed your bag and if they had let you come, you might have. I Maybe. might have. I definitely wanted to. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I the same the same peace and understanding I had about coming into Teen Challenge as a student. Yeah. I had that tenfold from doing the internship. Right. And I was kicking against the goads. I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I never did. Even from the beginning even before my first day as an intern, I didn't want to do it. Yeah. And so that day was it was sort of a straw that broke the camel's back. I didn't want to go to chapel in the first place, and then I'm forced to sit in this chapel talking about the paved golden roads over an absolute, and uh. I just snapped. <laughs> I snapped. 
videos of them going skiing. Yeah, oh man, it looked this. like a blast. And you're stuck out in the middle of the sheep country. Yeah, well, I mean, because yeah. the reason why I need to be at Teen Challenge and the reason why God called me to it is because it is 12 months of spiritual surgery without anesthetic. And that's a phrase that I've said a hundred times in testimonies it. and things like that. But it's true. Mm-hmm. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Sucks a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it. Right. Well, that's what it sucks having the rough edges smoothed out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's painful. Very. Right? Very. I mean, I had more than rough edges. I had like twigs that needed to be chopped off, you know? Right. You had a lot of pruning that yeah. needed to be done, you know? And, and I, I, I'm so proud of you because I've, I've watched you go through this roller coaster of emotion and still stay committed and dedicated. Thank you. You know, and, uh, you know, how I feel about you. I've told you many, 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 many times you're, you're an example in so many ways to the students that are there. And you're an example to the staff and other interns that are there. Um, and I, I, you know, who knows what the future has to hold for Adam Rice, but, one of the things on this journey that you had no idea was going to happen was the part of this story that you thought wouldn't happen. Right. And that's the restoration right. of your relationship with your wife. Right. So you're just beeping along life one day at Dalton Teen Challenge. And what happened? What what was the switch? What took place? Um, well, so one day I was driving the box truck around for the thrift stores picking up donations and the box truck died mm. and we're pulled over on the side of the road in Salem just sitting there and I get a phone call from uh, Troy the director right and he passes the phone to his wife and his wife and my wife uh, they talked a bunch whenever she was still around mm-hmm. and so she told me that Sarah wanted to wanted to reconcile our relationship out of the blue and that floored me and she said that I think it was like a month and a half in a month and a half she'll be here and you guys can talk and she doesn't want to talk until then so I'm stuck for a month and a half oh my gosh. trying to figure out what's going on <laughs> and um, then when I finally end up talking to her what she conveyed to me was that um She'd been through hell and through it all, God had showed up in her life and Mm. spoken to her in ways that she never thought possible. Wow. The Holy Spirit had come down on her and shown her the truth, the absolute truth, not what I want or what she wants or what anyone wants. Or some vague thing. No, it's like truth with a capital T. Wow. And through that, um, she was shown that she needed to reconcile our relationship. And the miraculous thing about this is that she came back to the table with a healed heart from all the abuse and the manipulation and mind games and danger and apathy that I had given her. Hmm. She came back with a healed heart. It was miraculous. It. So it was It was definitely the, the hand of providence on her life, right? I mean, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Probably unexpected even from her. Yeah. Right? Yeah. right. No, she told me that when it first when she first started feeling this, she mm-hmm. was she rebuked it. She's like, no, 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 no. I'm not doing that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean understandably so. Yeah. I mean God worked a complete miracle in both of our hearts. Wow. I'm not the same person by any stretch of the imagination, and neither is she. So you were stunned. Oh yeah. Did you at any time think is this really real oh absolutely yeah 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 no i thought like did i die and and that like did the box truck actually not break down did i get in a wreck and i'm dead now and like some perfect perfect plan is being played before me as a reward or Mm -hmm. something (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i I remember telling you on several occasions man just just stick with it yep just stick with it because god will honor it adam he will honor it and man, did he ever! Yeah, and I believed he would honor it. I just didn't. Yeah. I didn't expect him to honor it in that in way. In this way, yeah, right. So recently, right, not too many weeks ago, 
you guys got together and had a special day. Yes, we did. What was that all about? Yeah, we um, we renewed our vows, made a new covenant. Yeah, and um, have both committed to moving forward at each other's side for the rest of our lives. Wow, wow. So you said that that she really heard from God. I mean, it was just like, bam, right? Have you ever heard from God? Did he? Did he has he ever spoken your name? Kind of like Adam, like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could if I could say that. That'd be something else. I think you did that a couple times when I was sitting in the classroom. You called me over the intercom, maybe. Adam. This is <laughs> yeah. God. Pick your head up off the desk. Yes. No napping during no, class no napping. time. No napping. <laughs> but God has certainly spoken to me in profound supernatural ways. And it's it's one of those things, but you just when he speaks that way, mm-hmm. you no longer have a choice in your own heart. You have to listen. So not listening isn't an option anymore. You're you're going to be listening, right? Yeah, and that's that's where and I receive that as you need to do an internship. You need mm-hmm. to come here as a student, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't care what's happening to you here. You need to stay, right? Fine. kicking and screaming but staying put anyway yeah so what's going on now in adam's life i mean well let's review real quick okay so there was there there was the abuse at the hands of students when you were in school right there was the medication of some of the things that you were going through emotionally mentally spiritually through pain medication that graduated to crack cocaine right your life comes you know crashing down around you you end up coming into an adult and teen challenge center here in the Willamette Valley you go through from you're you're married to this woman you're madly in love with and during your program it's over because she was like this is done mm-hmm. right and um I I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Um and and then you you keep doing what you're supposed to do, you know, grumbling if you know at times, but you keep doing it. Uh things are changing in your life. You are maturing in God as you go even through the heartache. Mm-hmm. You come to a place of some what of acceptance of this and then almost out of the blue God restores this relationship with your wife. You're still in an internship there at the center, and you uh, have how much longer as an intern? Four more months. Four more months as an intern. Four whole months and change. Yeah, yeah. So what's your plans now? Um. Well, so... Back in February, I really wanted to know what my plans were. So I was reading this book called Whisper, How to Hear the Voice of God by Mark Batterson. And I uh, felt God telling me just to submit to the book, do whatever the heck it says. And I kept track of this mm-hmm. on in notes and journaling. And throughout the month, I asked this question. I said, Lord, what are my next steps? What am I doing next? And through that book, God revealed to me that he basically said uh, through scripture and a bunch of other things all combining together, Adam, you can do whatever you want as long as you stay obedient completely to me. And I didn't like that. <laughs> I was like, no, I want to know what to do. I want some clear cut want, yeah, instructions. Tell me what to do. Yeah. And God basically told me to grow up. <laughs> and I didn't like that. And so then I just begged him. I said, Lord, at least give me like something, like something. Right. What would I like to do? What? What what have you created me to do? Show me. Yeah. And then he revealed to me um, some options. And one of those options was to just stay where I was. Could get a job here. I could continue on mm-hmm. working for the ministry. Um, I could go back to school was another one. Right. Um, and then I could also move away and work for another Teen Challenge somewhere else. And then another one that 
really resonated with me because it's something I felt like I wanted to do for the past 10 years, but it just my addiction has kept me from it, was I wanted to do uh, mission work. And so I kind of moved forward with that. And as of right now, God willing, I'm going to join Youth with a Mission and do their discipleship training school and do missionary work for the next several years. And you and your wife are both on board with that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you be... The plan is, unless God changes something, that you're going to go into ministry together, right? Right. Um, so this relationship that was done and over, there's no way it's going to change, drastically changed, and now you guys are focused and moving in the same direction. Um, it takes what it takes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it took a lot. It did. Um, so we've talked a lot about, about what happened and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Let's talk here in the, our remainder of our time about your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, you are the kind of person that likes to study and research and check things out. You're very much a show me guy, you know, show me, right? Um, what has God shown you, man? I mean, besides, you know, the recovery piece and all, all that. Sure. Uh, because recovery is just the tip of the iceberg, right? Right. Yeah. True recovery is is living in the state of recovered means developing a healthy relationship with the God who is God. Mm-hmm. So to share share that with listeners. Sure. He's reaching. I actually... Uh... I have something that I just randomly was looking at today. This is a quote from the Life Recovery Bible's introduction, the Bible that you gave me when I graduated mm-hmm. as a student. It says, The Bible is a book about recovery. It records how the world began and how God created it to be good. Then it tells us about the beginning of sin, about the first time people decided to reject God's plan. It spells out the fatal consequences that result from rejecting God's program. But the Bible doesn't leave us in despair. It reveals a plan for recovery and the source of the power to accomplish it. It provides us with the only pathway to wholeness, God's program for reconciliation and healing. And that is sort of the foundation of what my relationship with the Lord looks like today. As I move forward, I'm learning more and more that through Scripture and sacrifice, personal, Mm -hmm. spiritual, emotional sacrifice um, we receive supernatural fruits in our life but the Bible talks about peace that transcends human understanding that's very true yeah and so my time with the Lord nowadays is spent doing things that make no sense to the world it's spent sacrificing my time when I have none left. It's giving when the numbers aren't adding up. But then somehow, supernaturally, the God re- God rebukes the devourer in my life. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I have excess where before I had none but still sacrificed something. And so I'm learning that more and more. I, I spend time uh, reading the Word every single day. And that's by far my favorite part of the day. And I uh, I feel like I live my day-to-day life being led around on a leash by the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. This is not about religiosity for you. This is about relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. This isn't even about churchianity. Mm-hmm. Right? Even though church is good, church is, I mean, you know, the assembly of the believers is absolutely valid and important. Right. Right. If you were left alone and everybody abandoned you to walk away, your relationship between you and God would sustain that whole thing. That's one of the most important things I learned while at Teen Challenge because that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. Right. What would you say to those who may be listening, and I know of a couple that have left the Teen Challenge program, perhaps they've left other ones prematurely as well, who knows, but that I personally know have left prematurely. Some of them not doing so well, a couple of them actually doing pretty doggone good. But what would you say to them, 
right now that are listening to this show. Submit and give up everything. Mm. Everything to God. And if you truly do that, I don't think you can look me in the eyes and tell me you left prematurely with good reason. Uh. Because it a year was not enough time for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it certainly is not enough time for those who have left. It is a holy hospital that provides radical, life-changing transformation. And you have to have a fear and respect of that. Right. You know, I mean, we've, we we hear so many scriptures through the program that are overused and therefore, um, instead of being received as truth, are received with an eye roll. Gotcha. The devil prowls about like a roaring lion mm-hmm. looking to see whom he can devour. Oh, fine, whatever. Heard that a thousand times. Take your head out of your rear. And take that seriously because it is the truth with a capital T. Yeah, it is. And this is not a playground. This is a battlefield. Wow. That's a powerful statement. That's so true. I can't take credit for that. I heard that somewhere. I don't know where, though. So one one of the biggest excuses that I hear, and sometimes they really believe this and it's legitimate in their own thinking, other times it's just an excuse and they know it's an excuse is, well, my wife or my girlfriend or my mom or my dad, they need me really bad right now, you know, and they're struggling. So I just, I have to go home and take care of that situation. That's selfishness is what that is. Yeah. That's nothing but selfishness, pride and arrogance all mixed together to perform this awful bitter slurry that you're going to try and drink. Because they're not trusting God to take care of their family if they think they can go in and rescue them. I mean, just to be real, anyone who comes through the doors at Teen Challenge is so helplessly pathetic. They can't help their family, period. Right. I don't care what they think they can do. Certainly not after two months. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not saying that to beat anybody up, but here's the thing. Those of you that are listening because several of you said you were going to, that have left prematurely, you know, there. if you find yourself in a pickle, <laughs> you know, unless there were disciplinary reasons where you can't come back to our center specifically, other centers very well may take you back. We have a 30-day out, you know, policy and that kind of thing for people to leave prematurely. But listen, don't let your pride and ego keep you from getting the help that you need. Amen. You know, that's one of the reasons people won't walk through the doors of AA or NA or Celebrate Recovery or a residential program. Their pride and their ego is still running the show. Mm-hmm. And it's killing them. Yep. The dope's not killing them, maybe physically, but it's killing them mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. They, they go out there thinking, you know what? I know where a well is. I know where I can get water for my family. Mm-hmm. And I can do all that. But what they're missing they're not asking Jesus for a glass of living water. Well, they will never thirst again. Right. That phrase, never thirst again, if that doesn't describe being free from addiction, I don't know what is. Wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because that's, that's, that's what you receive whenever you, you finally surrender and you give it all up and you quit trying to control your life. When you quit trying to control those around you and you, you receive that from Jesus, the living water Mm -hmm. you never thirst again because that's what addiction is is this perpetual thirst that you can never quench yeah yep yep well said we are out of time we're going to be playing a song here to close out with that I think is absolutely appropriate Uh, any closing thoughts Adam just I mean I've said this a hundred times to all sorts of students if if there's any guy out there take your head out of your butt and humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord and come back and get some help. Drink the Kool-Aid and you'll recognize that there's some serious help in this submission because that's really what you need to do. Is you need to submit to the ways of God instead of the ways of the world. Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, this song is by David Meese. Now, David Meese is a huge supporter of Adult and Teen Challenge programs. He has been for many, many, many years. Um, he is very good friends with Snow Peabody, past president of Teen Challenge USA, and uh, the Arizona Teen Challenge program. Um, and he is a good friend of Take 12 Recovery Radio, too. He's been on our show several times. David is a multi-Dove Award winner. And uh, he his song, We Are the Reason, is one, it's one of those those Christian contemporary songs that just last forever. Uh, and I want you to listen to this as we close out this show. Here is David Meese with We Are the Reason. Stop. 
powerful music of Mr. David Meese. For more of his incredible music, visit his website at davidmeese.com or follow the link at take12radio.com. It has been a powerful show, and I want to give a special thank you to our guest this week, Mr. Adam Rice. Look, you may think that what's impossible is impossible, but it's not. Not with God. Just when you thought nothing could change, God steps in and does what only God can do. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with the Take 12 Recovery Radio family, and we are wishing God's perfect serenity for you. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. She's a super cat, super cat, she's super kitty, meow. Yeah, kitty, 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 meow.